John chapter 18 in your Bible. I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It's a historical event. One writer noted that all of the Bible is a historical event, a historical event. Some of it has happened already. Uh, some of it is happening currently, and some of it has yet to happen. But from God's perspective, it's all history. And um, we're looking at a historical event in John chapter 18. There are many people in this event. Of course, it's a time when Jesus is being tried. He's being tried illegally, according to the Jewish law of his day, trying him through the night. But you have all kinds of people involved uh, surrounding the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. You have his disciples and Jewish leaders. Uh, you have uh, a couple of high priests, Caiaphas, who was the high priest uh, at that time. You also have Annas, his father-in-law, Caiaphas' father-in-law, who is still hanging around. It was very much a political thing in Jesus' day. It was a who's who. You have the Jewish crowd. There were Sadducees and Pharisees. Then you have Gentiles as well. We have the Roman soldiers specifically identified and addressed in this passage. And then also a man by the name of Pilate, or with the title Pilate. And he was a governor, and he was not a Jew. And uh, you have all these people, and of course Jesus is here as well. And this is the historical event I want to look at this morning. It's a lengthy passage. I'm going to read it. I'll try to read with expression, so follow along. And um, I don't know how many of us have put a lot of time or thought into this part of Jesus' life when he was under trial or uh, being tried. So let's look at it together. John chapter 18, I'll begin reading in verse 28. I'm going to read down through the middle of chapter 19. So verse 28 of John 18 says, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas under the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not, that is, the Jews went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have de delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, Pilate, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That had, that had just changed, by the way, about this time. So that was new. And this was there was kind of a political back and forth going on. Verse 32, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Verse 33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, and I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. 
And Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again into the, under the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. John notes, now Barabbas was a robber. Verse 1 of chapter 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring uh, bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! When When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. And the Romans were very superstitious in those days. Verse 9. And he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou, or where do you come from? Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Speaking of Caiaphas. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And Pilate therefore heard that saying. He brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour, about 6 a.m. Roman time. He saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him. Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he, Pilate him, Jesus, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. That in a day of so many opinions, so many perspectives, Lord, we have a source of truth. Father, thank you for this record of history, this historical event where you became a man and being completely God, allowed yourself to be ridiculed and beaten and lied about and mocked. And, Father, you willingly were led away. And you died for us. Thank you for your salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Father, help us, I pray, as we look at this passage. Uh, Make application in our hearts. 
each one of us by your Holy Spirit, I ask. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus came into the world. God came into the world and the world knew him not. And he was despised. He was rejected by the Jews. He was mocked by the soldiers, as we read in chapter 19. And finally, he was given over to the Jews to be crucified by Pilate. He gave Jesus over to be so Jesus could be crucified. And even in all of this, we see the majesty of Jesus Christ as he suffered on our behalf. And we see the depth of sin that resides in the heart of every human being. You know, apart from the grace of God, I think we would have responded a lot like these individuals in this passage. Maybe like Pilate. And many people today do respond like Pilate. They really are somewhat indifferent to Jesus Christ. I mean, who really cares, they might say. You can believe in him if you want to. I, they might say they don't believe in him. But to believe in Jesus would require that they abandon their lifestyle, their way of living. Pilate, that was at the forefront of his mind when all of this was happening. He, he, as you see, repeatedly declares to the crowd, to the mob, that he finds no fault in Jesus. In other words, Pilate declares Jesus to be innocent of the accusations that they made toward him. Or I think there are people today who respond to Jesus like the Roman soldiers. They're just living life. I mean, the Roman soldiers of Jesus' day, what did they do? They had to beat prisoners, flog them. That was part of their job, to crucify people. None of us would, would want that job. That was their job. And uh, we find them mocking Jesus, don't we? Ridiculing, having fun, making sport of Jesus. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I think people today are kind of like the Roman soldiers, where just living life, you know, don't bother me with the details. I don't think they had anything specifically against Jesus. The Roman soldiers, I think they hated the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. But I don't think they had anything uh, personal against Jesus, but they are just doing their job, just living life, and here Jesus happened to be there, and they... And so they beat him and they mocked him and ridiculed. They had fun at his expense. In Matthew 27, Pilate, the, uh, Matthew records this, and I'll read it to you. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? That was Pilate's question. What, what should I do with him? And that is a question for all of us today. What are we doing with the Lord Jesus Christ? How are we responding to him? What are we doing with him? And Pilate, of course, we know he turns Jesus over to be crucified. How should we respond to Jesus? Because the truth is that a person really can't re remain neutral when it comes to Jesus Christ. Pilate, I, I think Pilate wished that he'd never met him. That he'd never heard the name. I think the Roman soldiers would have, they didn't care one way or the other. It was just another man they were commanded to, to flog and to beat and to crucify. He didn't matter to the Roman soldiers. 
But a person can't remain neutral about Jesus Christ. To ignore him is to decide against him. To disregard him is to decide against him. And our text reveals four possible responses to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at them this morning. Number one, a person can reject Christ because he threatens your religious pride and self-righteousness. A person can reject Jesus Christ because he threatens a person's religious pride, their religion, and their self-righteousness. Look at Matthew 18, or John 18, excuse me, John 18, verse number 19. I just want to read a little bit here to you. John 18, verse 19, I'll read down through verse 24. It says in verse 19, The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I have even ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask thou, ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by, this would have been one of the temple police, struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas, that's the father-in-law, high priest, had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, that's the son-in-law high priest, the, the standing high priest was Caiaphas, the high priest. You know, the Jewish leaders knew the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. They knew them. They knew about Jesus and his ministry. They had seen his miracles. They'd been watching him now for months. He had their attention. They had heard his teaching and and Jesus had spoken openly in their synagogues and in the temple, but they led the attack against him. Now think about this. The religious leaders of the day, Jews, led the attack. They formulated a plan to kill Jesus Christ. And so, referring to Caiaphas, the high priest, Jesus tells Pilate in chapter 19, look over at verse 11, chapter 19 and verse 11, the latter part, he says, Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee, Jesus says, hath the greater sin. Caiaphas has the greater sin, Jesus says to Pilate. And when Pilate later presents the bloody Jesus with his crown of thorns to the Jews, they cry for Jesus to be taken away and crucified. Look at chapter 19 and verse 14. Chapter 19 and verse 14. Verses 14 and 15, it says this, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, about 6 a.m., so they've tried him through the entire night. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And look at what it says at the end of verse 15. The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. The chief priests said, We have no king but Caesar. They hated Caesar. They despised Caesar. Caesar would have been in Rome. And uh, the Jews were under Roman government at this time. They were oppressed by Rome. And, and, all, and much of the authority of the chief priest and uh, the, the, the Jews would have been 
in the hands of the Romans. And they, they hated Caesar, but they spoke more truly than they intended to speak, I think. Because the Lord God was not their king. And if they had been subject to the Lord, they would have not rejected Jesus as their king. Why did the Jewish leaders reject Jesus? Why did they hate him so much? I think there are a few reasons for that. I think one reason is that Jesus didn't fit the image that they had of of the Messiah, what they had dreamt of the Messiah being. A A mighty warrior who was going to free Israel from her political enemies. I think that's what many of the chief priests and the political elite within Judaism wanted in a Messiah. Someone who would come in, throw off the Roman government, the Roman oppression, and give them more power. I think that's what they wanted. And Jesus was not about that at all. You know, the disciples, even the disciples had a hard time comprehending a suffering servant being the Messiah. Jesus didn't fit their expectations. And sometimes people profess faith in Christ and they expect him to solve all the problems and to protect them from every trial. But then things don't work out that way. And life, as we know it, continues on. And there are trials and there are hardships and there is opposition. And so after professing Christ, there comes a point sometimes in the lives of some people where they say, you know what? I trusted Christ to save me. And you know what? My life has been hard. You know what? I'm not going to continue following him or I'm not going to pretend to be following him because he hasn't done for me what I thought he should do for me. That that's the mindset I think that all of us could have, maybe at times are tempted to have. But we ought to know this. It was the mindset of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests. I think there's another reason why the Jewish leaders rejected Jesus as their Messiah, and that is that they envied Jesus. They envied him. In fact, in Matthew 27, verse 18, Pilate knew this. It says this, For he, Pilate, knew that for envy they had delivered him. They were envious. They were jealous of Jesus. They held him in contempt. No, large multitudes. Why why would they have not liked Jesus? Well, large multitudes followed Jesus because he healed their sick. And he taught them with authority, not as their scribes taught them. Jesus taught. And large groups of people would follow Jesus around. And in fact, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council because Jesus was a threat to their power and he was a threat to their control over the people. And they actually convened a council after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And they basically said, we have got to do something about this man. He's going, everybody's following. Everyone's going to believe upon him. They were so envious. There's a third reason I might mention to you this morning, and that is that Jesus threatened the religious pride and self-righteousness. Look, look again at chapter 18 in John. Look at verse number 28. Chapter 18 and verse 28. This is interesting. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas, the reigning high priest of this day, unto the hall of judgment. The hall of judgment would have been a place where Pilate would have been. And it was a Gentile place. And it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. 
Talk about hypocrisy. The, these religious leaders didn't want to be defiled during the time of the Passover by setting their feet, by setting foot inside a Gentile residence. So they weren't going to go in because they were going to keep the religious laws. They wanted to, to observe the religious ceremony, but they had no problem murdering an innocent man who had done nothing but good. Talk about hypocrisy. And regretfully, religious pride and hypocrisy are not exclusive to the Jewish leaders because we've all been guilty of being proud. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 18 where Jesus speaks a parable and he talks about a Pharisee and a publican. The publican falls on his knees and he is contrite and the Pharisee looks at him with disdain, looks down upon him. And then uh, the religious man, this Pharisee, prays aloud and he thanks God that he is not as other men are. And he talks about all that he's done. I fast this many times and I give this amount of money. I'm so thankful that I'm not like that man or those people. You know, it's so easy to be taken in pride or take pride in doing good by rules that we keep in our own lives. And each one of us are different in this room. We all have different standards to differing degrees. It's so easy to look down on those who are not outwardly as good as we think that we are. We all have a tendency to this. And it really is repulsive. It really is disgusting. As we begin to understand what the Bible teaches about God's holiness and about our sinfulness, and we, as we begin to understand and consider and ponder God's grace as He demonstrated to us on the cross, we're led to, as the hymn writer wrote, poor contempt on all our pride. And the cross leads us to love others. And except for the grace of God, we would be the same. There's another group of people I want to consider this morning from the passage. One is the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And they rejected Jesus Christ because of the religious pride and self-righteousness. But secondly, a person can reject Christ because to follow him might cost us the life that we love. Some people reject Jesus Christ because to follow him, to receive him, might cost us the life that we love so very much. And when I think about this Reality, I think of Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, Pilate had been the Roman governor of Judea for, um, he was the governor for about 11 years, from AD 26 to AD 37. This, the event that we're looking at took place in about AD 30. And Pilate was a weak, uh, albeit ruthless, governor. And he made some serious mistakes early on in his career. In fact, he had his soldiers march into the temple area with shields bearing the image of Caesar. That was offensive to the Jews. And to the Jews, that was a form of idolatry and desecration to the temple. So in response to that, Caiaphas at that time called out 2,000 Jews who surrounded Pilate's house in protest. You can imagine he probably didn't get a whole lot of sleep that day. He had 2,000 people around his residence, and they were angry. 
And Pilate foolishly threatened to slaughter all of them, a threat that politically he couldn't carry out, and he didn't carry it out, and it made him appear weak. Later, he built an an aqueduct to bring water into Jerusalem, but he used funds from the Jewish temple tax to pay for his pet project. And the Jews rioted, and then this time, Pilate did slaughter them. And the Jewish leaders protested to the emperor Tiberius back in Rome, who issued a scathing rebuke to Pilate, and Tiberius was notoriously paranoid and had executed many for lesser reasons (laughs) The, the, the point I, uh, of telling you all of this is Pilate couldn't afford another mess up. He couldn't afford another riot. He couldn't afford it politically. Like his life might actually be at stake. I won't go any further with Pilate's life, but eventually he was removed from power in Judea and he returned to his place of residence and he ended up taking his own life. But Pilate hated the Jews. He hated them. He loathed them. Why did he have to be in Judea? Why did he have to deal with them? And he he did. He hated the Jews, but he knew that they held the upper hand over him. And when the Jews brought Jesus to Pilate late this night, the night before, he asked them what the charges were. Look at verse 29. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they replied, and the reply would have angered him. Look at verse number 30. They answered and said unto him, if he were not a malefactor, malefactor, if he were not a lawbreaker, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. In other words, there's an assumption here. Um, it's almost as if they're saying, Pilate, stop asking questions. We can't, we can't put this man to death because you've taken that right away from us, the Jews were saying, and the Romans had just changed that law. So we're bringing him to you basically for you to execute him. Of course, he's a lawbreaker. We wouldn't have brought him to you. You see, there's this kind of this power struggle that's taking place here. And really, they expected Pilate to do whatever they wanted. And so there's sarcasm in response. Look at verse 31. Then said Pilate unto them, take ye him and judge him according to your law. Now, Pilate knew they didn't have the authority to, to kill anybody at this point, though they did from time to time. But he says, judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying that death he should die. So there's this back and forth. There's this power struggle that's taking place. And Pilate knew that the Jews didn't have the authority to execute Jesus. And so after Pilate questions Jesus, Pilate comes to the conclusion that he wasn't a threat to Romans, the Romans' power. The Jews had brought Jesus to Pilate and basically said he's declaring himself to be the king of the Jews, which by inference would be Jesus is about to lead a revolt against the Roman Empire. Because after all, there can be no king but Caesar. And so after questioning Jesus, Pilate comes to the conclusion Jesus is not trying to overthrow the Roman government. Look at verse number 33. I'll read down through verse 38. Says there, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Like, where'd you where'd you hear it from? Is what Jesus asked Pilate. Who told you this? Did you come to this by yourself? Verse 34, Jesus answered him, saying, uh, that okay, verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then should my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. And then Jesus says this, To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. For what cause? For what purpose? To what end, Jesus? He says that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And John has talked about that to us from the beginning in the gospel according to John. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Jesus came in the form of a man, to reveal God to mankind. And it was for that purpose that he came, and he restates this to Pilate here. And Pilate tries to negotiate with the mob now. Look at verse number 39. Verse 39. He says, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. So he he comes back in verse 38. He says, I find no fault in him. I find no fault. This man is innocent of the charge. He should have been released. He says, I find no fault in him at all. Verse 39, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And so Pilate is attempting to placate the mob. And he's he's trying to free Jesus. And he brings up a custom uh, to free a prisoner for the Jews at the time of the Passover. And he suggests a notorious... Uh, lawbreaker, a man who was a thief, a man who was a murderer, a man who was an insurrectionist, a man by the name of Barabbas. And Pilate was hoping that the Jews would not want such a dangerous man released back out on the streets. And so he's trying to placate them, and he in, but, but they insist that they do want Barabbas released. Look at verse 40. Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, or not Jesus, but Barabbas. Now, John notes, Barabbas was a robber. He was a thief. And so now Pilate tries another ploy to placate the mob. They want Jesus. They want him crucified. Pilate's thinking about this, and he understands this man has not broken the law. He's innocent. He does not deserve to die. What can he do? How can he satisfy the mob and not kill Jesus? That's what he's trying to accomplish here. And so look what he does in verse 1 of chapter 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. The Roman scourge consisted of a short wooden handle, probably half the size of a baseball bat, but had several leather thongs coming off of the end of it. Wound in the end of those thongs, there would have been sharpened bone, pieces of bone or lead, sharpened pieces of lead, um, perhaps brass. And the body then of the person who was to be flogged, who was to be beaten, would have been stretched flat on a table. Sometimes they did it over a table or sometimes they tied him by the wrist to a post. Sometimes they suspended that individual from the ceiling until his feet barely touched the ground. The point was to get the flesh of the man taught. And then the person was whipped until his body was ripped and shredded, and not just his back, but 
but everywhere. The body would be torn and it would be shredded and it would be lacerated so much so that the veins and arteries were affected and sometimes even so much so that the organs, some records record for us that even the organs would begin to bulge and come through the person's flesh. Roman citizens were exempt from this kind of a beating, according to Acts chapter 22, because it often resulted in death, massive blood loss, or at least severe injury. So why was Pilate doing this? I don't think Pilate wanted to do it. I think he's already gone to them and said, I find no fault in this man at all. He's innocent. Everybody go home. This man should be released. But the mob will not go home. And those in leadership, the the chief priests, the religious elite, the most powerful men in Israel want Jesus dead. He's been bothering them for months and maybe even years. Pilate wants Jesus off his hands. And 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 by by the way, I think part of Pilate, it wasn't because Pilate was such a good person. It wasn't that he was a good person at all. But think about this. Pilate, he's the one who's supposed to be the most powerful man. He's ruling over Israel. He's the governor. He's governing Israel. They're all supposed to be subject to him. But think about this. Who's telling who what to do here? The supposed subjects are telling the governor what to do. And do you think Pilate wanted to do what the subjects were telling him to do? I don't think he wanted to crucify Jesus just so he could tell them, show them he was still in control. I I don't think he was an overly moral person. The Jews rioting, if they rioted, he would be finished. He couldn't afford that again. And maybe the torture of the torturing of a pure and innocent man would satisfy them. Whatever the case, if Pilate really thought Jesus was innocent, he never should have been scourged at all. After the scourging, Pilate restates Jesus two more times. Look at chapter 19 and verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring you forth, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Now, this is after Jesus has been beaten. And scourge, verse 5, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews are demanding Jesus be crucified. And at this point, the Jews take another tack to get Pilate to comply with their demands. Look at verse number 7 of chapter 9. The Jews answered him, We have a law. By our law, he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Now, Deuteronomy cha- or Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 16 speaks to that, to that fact. It would be blasphemy. It would be a lie for someone to claim that they are God or the Son of God. But now Pilate is spooked. And the Romans were superstitious. Pilate seems to have been very superstitious. And he believed that some, the Romans believed that sometimes one of the gods, and they believed in a plurality of gods, that one of the gods would sometimes come back to earth. And if you treated that god well, then they'd look out for you 
uh, into the future. But if you treated that God poorly, they'd make your life miserable. And to increase Pilate's fear, his wife had sent word to him as he'd begun to examine Jesus. And it's recorded for us back in Matthew chapter 27. And, and Pilate's wife had said this, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. So Pilate's wife had come to Pilate at the beginning of this whole thing and said, Have nothing to do with this man. He's just. Have nothing to do with him. So Pilate's already got a wife who's dreaming. And now he's got this thinking that maybe Jesus is one of the gods. I mean, he's done powerful things. He'd no doubt heard of him or heard about some of the things that had been done. And, and now here, the Jews want him to kill this. Maybe he's a god. And, and again, Pilate wasn't thinking that he was the one true god. He's just thinking that he was. this was just Pilate being superstitious. And so now he questions Jesus further. Look at chapter 19 and verse 9. Verse 9. It says in verse 8, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. In verse 9 it says, and he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, whence art thou, or, or where do you come from? Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. Now, this is something, and I won't take much time here. When I think back of, to Pharaoh in the Old Testament, there came a point where Pharaoh was given the truth. He was given the truth. He was given opportunity. And then, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And he hardened his heart. And he hardened his heart. And finally, the Bible says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what's interesting, Pilate had the opportunity to, to look at God in human flesh and ask him questions like, what is truth? He looked at truth in the eyes and asked that question. He talked to Jesus Christ. And Pilate, for his own personal political gain and his own life, his own livelihood, decided, you know, it'd be better for me to let this innocent man be beaten, mocked, and crucified to save myself and my life on this earth, my political life. It's interesting, now after Jesus is beaten and his barely standing and he's got the crown of thorns in his head and he's got he's been beaten and flogged he's standing here in front of Pilate and now he tries to ask Jesus another question and Jesus doesn't answer him at all at this point and I think it's important for us all to remember as the Lord gives us truth time and time and time again what are we doing with that truth because he doesn't owe us that truth we ought to do right with it. We ought to receive it. Jesus gives him no answer. It says in the, in the middle of there, or the end of verse 9, verse 10, Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? In other words, Pilate's saying this, I have the power over life and death. I hold life and death in my hand. So he thinks a lot of himself. Look at verse 11. Jesus answered now. He answers, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. And I will stop just to say this. You know, Pilate was just a puppet for the Roman government. Um, sometimes we look at people in authority and we 
can be angry with them and frustrated with them. Just because this person has authority does not make them wise, does not make them moral. But nobody has any authority except God gives it to them. We all understand that from the word of God. That is the way that it is. Therefore, he continues, Jesus continues, and he says, He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Caiaphas hath the greater sin, Jesus says. Verse 12, and from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. So Pilate is spooked. And now he's just trying to figure out a way to to release Jesus. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. They're trying to leverage Pilate. Verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour, about 6 a.m. now. And he saith unto the Jews, behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. God wasn't their king, was he? So Pilate, he's weak. He's compromised. He's defeated and he hands Jesus over to be crucified in verse 16. The Bible says, then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Pilate was morally weak. And he was a self-serving politician. He was not strong. He was not a strong leader. He was not a wise leader. And there were so many things in Pilate's life. Please hear this. There were so many things in Pilate's life that were more valuable to him than Jesus' life was. Is that true of you and me? Are there there things in our lives that are more valuable to us than the life of Jesus Christ? Pilate didn't have anything against Jesus. In fact, he actually thought Jesus was innocent of the charges that were levied against him. But to to take Jesus' side could have cost Pilate. He was not willing to take Jesus' side if it was going to cost him a thing. And so he rejected Christ, thinking that he was protecting his own interests. But in reality, Pilate lost his soul. There's a third response we can have to Jesus And that's the Roman soldiers. I see it in their lives. The beginning of chapter 19, first few verses. You see, a person can reject Christ because he threatens the religious pride and self-righteousness. A person can reject Christ because to follow him would might cost us the life that we love. The third reason a person can reject Christ because they're living for good times and are really just indifferent about eternity. You know, the Roman soldiers not only scourged Jesus, but they made sport of him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They spit in his face. They drove a crown of thorns into his head and they put a purple robe on him. Some people think it would have been one of the Romans tunics, which would have been red, but but bleached and worn in the sun would have turned a red to more of a purplish color. I don't know. The Bible says it was purple. They mocked him. They called him king of the Jews. And they beat him in the face. Look at, look at chapter 19 again, verse 1. 
Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. It really is sickening, isn't it? I mean, was Jesus a threat to these Roman soldiers? Would the Roman soldiers have liked Jews? Yes or no? Would the Jews have liked Roman soldiers? Yes or no? No. So if you're a Jew and you're living in a, an oppressed area and the Roman soldiers are lording over you, you're going you're gonna to despise them. That's going to be the natural inclination. And as a Roman soldier, if you're despised by the, uh, people, what's the natural human response to being despised? Well, it's to respond the same way, right? You hate those who hate you. You do good to the people who do good to you, right? You take care of people who take care of you. And so there's this animosity, Romans, specifically the Roman soldiers, against the, the people who are oppressed by the Roman soldiers. But it really is disgusting because Jesus here is no threat to them at all. And yet they take this, these thorns and they make a crown and they drive them down into his skull. He's bleeding profusely. They've beaten him. They put a, a robe around him. And they call him the king of the Jews. And they laugh. You know, the world over the world history has witnessed this kind of treatment far too often. You can read about accounts during World War II, different soldiers doing this to the enemy. It's not just foreign powers that have done this. I suppose it's natural in the circumstance that some soldiers find themselves in. We too might want to inflict vengeance upon those who maybe have killed those that we love or would if they had the chance. These Roman soldiers didn't willfully reject Jesus as the Jews did. They hadn't investigated who Jesus was. They didn't know who he was. They weren't into religion, but their job their job required them to scourge people and required them to crucify prisoners regularly. They were just having a little bit of fun. And the Roman soldiers would do this. In fact, there are places where in Israel where the Roman soldiers were at and where they would carry out these kind of beatings. And there are still to this day places in the stone where they actually scribed games into the stones where they would gamble and just to pass the time there. My point is this. I don't think it's they're malicious against Jesus here. It's not that they're knowingly rejecting the Son of God. They don't see him as that. This is just another Jew who they can't stand and who they assume can't stand them. They're just trying to pass the time. And I think there are people like these soldiers today, and they don't hate Jesus. They don't necessarily have anything against him. They're just living for their jobs and for a few laughs on the weekends. Just a little bit of relief here and there along life's way. And even if you tell them that Christ suffered and died for their sins, they really don't care. They reject Christ because they're not concerned about eternal matters. They're just living for a good time. That's possible responses to Jesus. And there's one more. We don't actually see a response in the passage, but 
There's one more person I want to draw your attention to. There's one other response that every person can make or have to Jesus Christ, and that is that a person can accept Christ's death in their place for their sins. It really is a beautiful picture, I think, found in this passage in the life of a very unlikely man. In other words, we wouldn't look into this man's life for any kind of a beautiful picture at all. He was a very wicked man, Barabbas. He was a thief. He was a murderer. He was a rebel. And he was freed instead of Jesus. And at first, we may not see ourselves in Barabbas at all, but he represents each of us, I think, in at least three ways. One, Barabbas should have been on the cross instead of Jesus because Barabbas was guilty. And Barabbas did deserve to die. And we might protest this morning, well, we're not thieves, Pastor Ferguson. But have we not all robbed God of his rightful glory and authority in our lives? And we might say, well, we're, at least we're not murderers. But Jesus said that if we're wrongfully angry with our brother, that in God's eyes we do murder them. Matthew 5 speaks about that. We could say, well, we've never led an armed rebellion against the government like Barabbas apparently had done. True, but we've all rebelled against the king of the universe and we've all repeatedly sinned against God, and we've all repeatedly sinned against his rightful rule. So Barabbas should have been on that cross instead of Jesus because he was guilty. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we all deserve death. Another thing about Barabbas I noticed is that he did nothing to earn his pardon. And that's true for me too. I did nothing to earn my pardon or forgiveness of sin. Barabbas wasn't pardoned because of his good behavior. <laughs> he wasn't pardoned because he promised to change his life and his image. If anything, Barabbas was pardoned because of how notoriously evil he was. Pilate chose, I think, in his mind, the most wicked, evil man that he knew of in his prisons. He couldn't claim that he was pardoned for good behavior. The Bible says that God justifies the ungodly not through their good works, but by faith alone. Romans 4 speaks of this. It says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Think about that. The way a person is saved, the way a person is pardoned, is not by reforming their life. It's by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ alone. There's a third, it's a third way Barabbas represents each of us, and that is that Jesus died in Barabbas' place. Jesus died in Barabbas' place. You know, you know what Barabbas' name means? Son of the Father. That's a little odd. He should have been on the cross that day, the one whose name meant son of the father. But instead, the one who is the eternal son of the eternal father went to the cross that day. And he hung there in Barabbas place. And he died in Barabbas place. And he died in your place. He died in my place. 
But Barabbas' pardon was not automatic. He had to accept it. The pardon that Christ offers to all is only effective for those who receive it. John 3.16, the latter part, tells us that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The beginning part tells us what God did, but the latter part of John 3.16 tells us what a man must do to be saved. He must believe. Like the guilty rebel Barabbas, only those who accept the pardon that Christ's death offers will be saved. Only those who accept it. Now, even though Jesus was spit upon and struck in the face and scourged and crowned with thorns and mocked as a king and unjustly crucified, we can still see Christ's majesty and we can still see his grace and we can still see the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ could have called legions of angels or he didn't have to call any angels at all and he could have killed everybody that day there. He could have given everybody what they deserved from Barabbas to Pilate to the Roman soldiers to the Jewish mob to the self-righteous Pharisees. He could have given everybody what they deserved. He could have annihilated his persecutors. But instead, he bore all of that abuse at the hands of sinners for the joy that was set before him to bring many children to God. Sons and daughters. Many to God for his glory. Jesus, the innocent, wore the crown of thorns so that we, the guilty, might wear the crown of glory. Jesus was clothed with a robe of shame and contempt so that we might be clothed with his spotless righteousness. And we might stand before God's throne in robes of white. He bore the contempt so that we might receive the praise and glory someday. For all of eternity. And the question I leave you with this morning is this. What have you done with the Lord Jesus Christ? We've talked about the Pharisees and the religious leaders, what they did with him. They rejected him because of their pride and self-righteousness. They didn't need Jesus. He was in their way. He was infringing on their self-righteousness. We talked about Pilate. He was indifferent to Jesus. He didn't care about Jesus. He wished, I really think he'd never seen or heard the name. But he rejected Jesus in favor of holding on to what he had in fear of losing it. The soldiers, they didn't know him. Just another Jew. Just another day in the busy life of being a soldier being hated, beating people, and crucifying them, doing the will of somebody higher up the, the rank than they were. And they mocked and scorned him. And, but in doing so, they rejected him just for a little bit of fun. Barabbas, the Bible doesn't say that Barabbas ever believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But in his life, we see a picture of you and me. Deserving death because of our sinfulness. And yet Jesus Christ took his place. What have you done with the Lord Jesus Christ? What are you doing with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray now as we close this service, I pray that your words would not soon leave our thoughts 
Father, for many of us in this room, we are saved. We know we have received Christ and the forgiveness of our sins. And we are eternally grateful for that. We don't deserve salvation. Father, I pray that we would live following the leading of our Savior in our lives by his Spirit. And Lord, I pray for some here this morning who may not know you, and maybe they find themselves like Pilate or the soldiers or the religious leaders rejecting Jesus for different reasons, but still nonetheless rejecting him. Father, I pray today that they would stop rejecting Jesus Christ and that they would believe upon him and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ who gives life everlasting. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.